It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello folks, it's David here and I would just like to take a moment to ask you to go and check out our sponsors NordVPN. Internet security, very important. I'm sure it's... Something that you're concerned about as well. Me, I like to know that I'm the person in control of my data. I live on my phone and the amount of stuff I do on it from banking to documents to private messaging, I need to know is secure. We all know that there are bad people out there who will come in and uh, try and get our details and um, spend our money for us. NordVPN prevents that, especially if you're using public Wi-Fis or you're using Wi-Fis away from your home. If you use NordVPN, you are safe and protected. It also allows you to take short holidays to places if that's ever required. It's a brilliant product. I use it every day and highly recommend it. And you can get a tremendous offer if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand that's nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand or use the code heart and hand to get up to 70% off your nordvpn plan you'll also get one additional month for free risk free with nord it's 30 day back money uh, 30 day money back guarantee so all you need to do if you don't like it is just say nope and you'll get your money back so go and check them out as i say it's very important you'll get peace of mind Go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and I am delighted to be joining you this bank holiday Monday. It is glorious being a Rangers supporter most of the time. It is absolutely glorious today. Joining me to discuss how life is beautiful is, first of all, a man I wheel out after defeat so he gets to bask in the sunlight today. It's Andy McGowan. Hello, folks. Uh, what can I say? What an lovely Easter weekend. Oh, it really was. And uh, well, usually we will Martin out after the defeat as well, but he's no well, so get well soon, Martin. And in his place comes 
who some people are describing as young Martin, mainly himself. It's Ross Hutton. Good evening, Ross. <laughs> I'll, uh, thank you. I'll, I'll take young Martin every day of the week. I'll put my apologies out there at the front. Um, as you might hear, my voice is not at its sharpest. Um, very much in a Martin Ramsey fashion, actually, after one of those kind of results. But it's an absolute pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to do this show most weeks. And you get the odd one a couple of weeks ago after the defeat at Ibrox. And then you get weeks like this. But Andy, you don't get weeks like this, do you? That often. Otherwise, we'd all be sitting, ah, fair enough. You know, this happens to us all the time. It doesn't happen to us all the time where we get weeks like this, where we were talking going into the game yesterday about 25 years ago, Loudrop, that winner and the 2-1 victory over them at Hamden. These games stay about for a long, long time. David Robertson, I remember, getting sent off in that semi-final. They're not just cup games, they're not just run-of-the-mill games they matter, and when they come on the back of reaching a European semi-final which does not come along very often, when they come on the back of two epic 120 minute matches then there's a reason that we're all feeling the way we're feeling today See by the way we're feeling today, do you mean knackered? Because shattered. shattered. Honestly, I noticed that coming out of Ibrox yesterday, eh, coming out of Ibrox, coming out of Hamden yesterday, that when everyone went in at the start, you know, it's the first real nice day of summer. Everyone's in their nice t-shirts, and you know the the strips are looking dead shiny, and everyone's bright and bang up for it. And then by the time we were coming out, we were all elated, and you could just see the the happiness. But everyone looked as though they'd been in a battle. I don't know about you. We talk about the players going through 120 minutes, 180 minutes. We've all been through four hours where our heart's been in our, our throat and hitting at a, you know, sounding quicker than a heavy metal gig. So we we went through the ringer as well. I think I've had a, an adrenaline overdose for Thursday to Sunday, and I'm, I'm absolutely shattered. But I mean, you talk about the historical pro, uh, kind of perspective there, David, and games gone by. These four days. Regardless of what happens this season, I pair for lose a cup, maybe. But these four days, we'll be talking about these in decades to come because, you know, the highs are 55. I often thought it was going to be really, really hard for us to repeat anything close to that this year. And, and I think that's been borne out in the season we've had, which has been fixing starts. But by Christ, these two days have been came very, very close to that same kind of elation. And do you know, you mentioned something in the in the, the post match yesterday about you know when the, the team bonds with the, the support and there's this kind of perfect synergy that happens from time to time when you're all pulling in the right direction, the same direction. And uh, I think that happened on Thursday. I think it happened yesterday. I don't think yesterday happens without Thursday. I've got to be honest. I think if we'd been out on Thursday, I think we'd been pretty flat and on the floor. But I think Thursday just gave such an injection of belief before anything else, but belief in in the team because you know we've been worried about Morelos not being there, we've been worrying about form. And and yesterday was just, you know, that lot wanted a war and they didn't like it when the Warriors turned up and we were Warriors and all because I thought the Rangers support were absolutely magnificent yesterday from start to finish. And uh, it was just such a, a brilliant day, brilliant result, the manner of the victory. And it, I think it's given us a wee a wee reminder that we are a very good team and you know Gio's settling in it's not quite went to plan but there's been magnificent moments this season particularly in Europe and that was another magnificent moment domestically yesterday so you know 
I, I'm just, I just wish we'd longer to go in the league campaign to carry on this momentum. On that, Andy, um, it's easy to say after a loss. This happens a lot when teams say, "Ah, but we outsung them," as if there's some kind of almost compensatory pride in that. Well, well, team lost to your team, but but we outsung you. Well, listen. Me and Ross were unfortunately fairly close yesterday to the Celtic support. I wasn't impressed, folks. I I was uh, I had my ticket and I was in um, with with all my friends and and fellow Bears, uh, and we weren't that far from the Celtic fans. I was kind of in the halfway line towards the Rangers fan. Ross, you were a bit further over. I think you were on the section next to them, weren't you? Right next to them, yeah. Right next to them, yeah. They were hellish. They were rubbish. They sang when they were winning for five minutes. And then as soon as we scored, then that was them silent again. They were pathetic. Whereas you're right, Andy, I thought that the Rangers support yesterday, even after the goal, there was a few seconds of silence, then song started again. And we, you know, we drove the team on. And I think that there was a definite response from the side yesterday. But moving on, Ross, Adam uh, had mentioned to, to us on Extra the other week that Geo didn't have a defining European. Uh, he had plenty of European results, but he didn't have a defining domestic result. And maybe that was a part of a lot of fans not buying into it, not fancying it yet. Because although we love Europe, Rangers bread and butter is winning things. And if there's a feeling that a manager isn't going to win you things, you're not interested. And of course, two defeats against Celtic. I think we all felt three, maybe leading to four. That's tough to come back from. I think he needed a signature result that buys him space. I think now it's it's done. Everyone agrees he gets to build his own team in the summer. Uh, this could have been... Had this result gone the other way, then the next few years could look very different uh, one way or another because it would have put him under intense pressure. And to know that and make the right calls on the day after making the right calls against Bragg, after showing what he's, he's showing in the European arena, there's clearly something about him. And while the domestic form, the league form in 2022 has been rotten, I think there's enough there to suggest that, well, look, we, we should buy into this because there's clearly talent in him as a boss. I think we as fans and some of the fans who weren't really bought into Van Bronckhorst, we needed something to, to hang on to. You mentioned there a signature domestic result, and I think that's absolutely spot on. Three defeats going into four, like you said, against Celtic. I don't want to say that would be fatal for Van Bronckhorst and the team, but it would really, really put a lot of people off. And as I say, you needed fans something just to cling on to, a signature result that you can point to when the going gets tough. And let's be honest, There'll be more bumps in the road in the future, but you need something you can turn back to and say, no, this is what he's about. This is what he can do. It's the same with players. We speak about players wanting to get off to a fast start when they join the team because you need to have a moment or a game. You can say that's what they're about and we can cling on to that. I think that was it yesterday. And if you take it in the context of, of the last week, coming off of where we were, coming out of Ibrox against Celtic a couple of weeks ago and knowing that not to sound defeatist, but the league looked really, really far away and possibly done that day, to where we're sitting now as fans in a much, much better place and much more comfortable with Van Bronckhorst because he has made the right calls at the right times. I think we'll get into more, David, I'm sure, later on in the show, but tactically yesterday I thought he was absolutely spot on, putting Bassey up against Rogic, completely took him out of the game, completely neutralised that threat, and he was a massive outball for Celtic at Ibrooks. Didn't have that option at all yesterday because tactically Van Bronckhorst got it spot on. His in-game management as well, absolutely tremendous. Even... 
ballsy decisions towards the end, like taking Roof off for Sakala. Now, I think Roof looked really, really tired, but at that point, lesser managers would maybe settle for penalties. That, that's, a, that's a ballsy decision. That's wanting to go and win the game within the, the within the time period that we had. So I think he deserves an awful lot of credit for yesterday. And listen, well, we'll talk about the players going to the well. To do that as a manager and to not get so mentally drained by the occasion or even overcome by the occasion, I think deserves an awful lot of credit and so much that has to go to Van Bronckhorst. Andy, I'll be totally honest. I set off this week heading up to Ibrox on Thursday. More in hope than expectation. And I thought that of the two games we'd maybe do it in Europe, but I really didn't hold out a lot of hope for yesterday. Um, because I didn't know if the team had that sort of performance in it domestically. Europe, I think we can take on anybody on a Thursday night. <laughs> Welcome any team in the world. Um, but I, they haven't really had one of those grit and determination performances, with the exception domestically of the first Celtic match this season when the team was, was wrecked by COVID. That was qualities that we haven't always seen from this Rangers team in this arena which was heart determination reacting to a setback something that they haven't been great at sorting things out on the part themselves and dare I say it yesterday Rangers just wanted it more well I think I think the easiest way to explain what you're saying there Davey is let's just get back to the Hib semi-final jeez oh I mean I mean you take that performance then and how abject it was in every single facet you could think of. And then you fast forward to that game yesterday and you know it's like two different it's like two different teams entirely. The attitude to the desire, the the ability, you know, actually showing your ability, um, the fitness, the you know, absolutely everything that was missing way back when Gio sat up in the stand and watched that game was there yesterday. And, um, you know, I, I I don't know if I was as optimistic as you for, for Thursday. I thought, I kind of thought this team had run its run its race for this season and things were going against us. And I thought the, the Morelos, the loss of Morelos was significant. And given you and me are quite normally, Somewhere. quite, yeah, and we're quite optimistic. Yeah. Uh, I think regular listeners on here will know this. Andy and I will tend to think, you know, if it's 50-50, it's really... 51 40, That's just our mindset. It's just who we are as people. I think it says a lot of what the last few weeks had been like that both of us were going, hmm, <clears throat> not quite sure. Uh, 100%. I, I just thought that... Um, I just thought that we were up against it. And I thought these two games in four days, regardless of the extra time, were going to be tough ask, tall orders. But it, I, I, I'm kind of dumbfounded that we've came through it and we're sitting here talking about it in these terms because... If you told us the scenarios before it and said, look, you're going to go to Ibrox, a goal behind versus Braga, you're going to have to play extra time. Um, you're not going to have Morelos. Uh, you're then going to go into the game against Celtic and you're going to not have Morelos again and you're going to have extra time again. What do you think the scores of both the games would be? You know, I, I don't think you'd be sitting there saying, ah, we win both them. I think uh, given what we've experienced this season, where you know, there has been major questions asked at different points this season of individuals and the squad, latterly Van Bronckhorst. You know, everything's been looked at, everything's been scrutinised, and there's been a bit of, well, I'm seeing a bit, there's been a lot of negativity, which I think's been OTT. I think you can have criticism if it's qualified, but I think sometimes we've tended to just go to the kind of default, burn it down. I think um, the, the kind of 
thought process when Van Bronckhorst was mental after the last Celtic game at Ibrooks. And I'm glad, I'm really, really delighted that we've had these two because what it does is, as you say, it buys space. I think it buys more than space for Van Bronckhorst. I think it's it's now a wee mini body of evidence that you don't get to European Cup or Europa League semi-finals by accident and you certainly don't win games like yesterday in the context of what we've had four days or two days before, three days before by accident. I mean, there was a, there was kind of whispers around, you know, people questioning what the, the attitude in the dressing room towards Van Bronckers was. I thought yesterday after that game, well, what happened during the game, obviously, but after the game, you've seen the spirit in that squad. You've seen players that are bit part players that want to be here next year celebrating on the pitch. Um, you can see the transformation of some players at lunchroom, Bassey. They've progressed further since Van Bronckhurst has appeared at Ibrox than they did in the first half of the season. So there's loads and loads of things happening that I think point towards um, real progress. It's just kind of been overshadowed by the fact that the league the league campaign hasn't went quite to plan. But what I would say to that is if we've had a pretty poor season domestically, I think that's the way everybody would see it. And we're really only one Celtic defeat away from being, you know, at the top of the league on points behind them in goal difference. It's a fine, fine margin. And I think that's sometimes where you have to just kind of keep the heat, keep the cool, keep perspective, no through the baby out with the bathwater. Because, you know, when that happens, when scenarios happen that are fatal and are, you know, the, the, the last straw, you know what? And we've been nowhere close to it for me. So I was delighted to, to get this. To, to get the positivity injected back into us and hopefully we carry it on into summer with a cup final win. Ross, we can't just win an old firm match, um, or rather, I think more accurately, Celtic can't lose an old firm match and just accept that they weren't good enough. And yesterday, everything was there for them. They had eight days rest against the Rangers team. They'd beaten the last two matches that they... New had played two hours, would be leggy, were missing Morelos, etc., etc. And they were outfought, outbattled, and out-fitnessed because Rangers finished the game more strongly than them. There's zero excuses for Celtic, but they wouldn't be Celtic FC if they didn't immediately go on to them. And we saw it with uh, their useful idiots in the media immediately on Bobby Madden, straight away, it was a referee, it was a referee, it was a referee. We know straight away, we got John Hartson saying, oh, Bassey's left hand was offside. Your hand can't be offside. You can only be offside with a part of the body you can score with. So, first of all, it shows you the kind of punditry levels that are accepted up here, that somebody that doesn't know the rules is allowed to, to go and spout bullshit. It was a line. It's a line that comes from the club. You'd need to ask yourself what incentives are given to people to come out and immediately start repeating it. But we we saw it. We knew it would happen. If they want to talk about refereeing in that game, John Lundstrom should have been booked, 100%. Thought it at the time. Folk around about me were gone. To be fair, that's a booking. Don't know why Madden let him away with that one. They're right. We should have had a penalty in the first minute, which has not been discussed at all. When Kent gets his shot away, but then gets taken out late by Callum McGregor, it's a penalty and a booking in any language. And there were plenty of 50-50s didn't go Rangers' way. The foul that led to Celtic's goal, Carter Vickers, going down under very little pressure at all from Kamar Roof. It's boring, it's fun right enough because I enjoy their tears. Uh, the, the, the salty tears actually taste delicious uh, in, alongside a, a, a nice meal of having beaten them. But 
it's pernicious because the idea behind it is, of course, that they'll cause problems for Bobby Madden. They did before for John Beaton. Sutton knows it's a dog whistle. That's why he's doing it. He's basically given permission to the Hordes, go and abuse this guy so that next time he thinks twice before uh, not sending someone off or whatever. We watched a guy be three yards offside yesterday and allowed to play on for Celtic's best chance. They literally cannot see a match without ignoring anything that goes their way and seeing a lot of things that don't exist. Boring is the word you use there, and boring is the absolutely right word to use for it. I text a friend coming out of uh, Hamden yesterday saying, oh, jokingly, how long until Madden gets the blame for this? And he texts back, oh, it's already started. Sutton started doing it during the game about decisions, saying he was embarrassing himself and this, that, and the next thing. And he's right, I was watching the game back earlier on today before coming on the show, and Sutton started doing it during the game. So it's, it's a predictably boring thing to do. And this is... Um, if there ever's going to be, and maybe benefit is not the right word, but the fun aspect of being so close to them yesterday, David, was when they scored, you could tell they thought the treble was done. They thought the treble was done. They thought they had it in the bag. They didn't see any way for Rangers to get back into the game. That was their season yesterday in terms of going to win that treble. They thought it was in the bag. It's the same in that goal. And, and that's a large part of the reason why they're coming out with us now, because they did not see any kind of scenario where that wouldn't happen. We've seen it before with a Celtic team and these Celtic fans where they've thought trophies and titles were won before they actually already were. This was another case yesterday, and you could tell the fact they only piped up for that 10 minutes or so after the goal. If it is a, a message from the club, like you say, they need to get better at it because Postacoglu certainly didn't seem to think there was any issue with the officiating yesterday. I would agree with you. I think Cal McGregor could have been off the park for two different bookable offences. We should have had a penalty. I think John Lundstrom should have been booked on that challenge that you mentioned. Listen, Bobby Madden got some decisions right. He got some decisions wrong. That's football shit happens, I'm afraid. But I remember being at a League Cup final in 2019 where Celtic scored from a goal where three other different players were offside. And us as Rangers fans, our takeaway from that day was that's a disappointing decision, but we should have won that game on ourselves. I don't remember officials or pundits giving officials half the abuse that Madden and the team were receiving from yesterday. As I say, you got some decisions right, you get some decisions wrong. But the reason that they do this is because it's worked. You think back to a couple of years ago when John Beaton didn't give them every decision that they ever wanted at Ibrooks and you know they started throwing bricks through his house window, phoning them up. He's now absolutely petrified to give decisions in Rangers' favour. They do it because it works. So I don't know how we go about combating this, if there is any kind of way to do it, but it's, it's something that has to stop. I don't think in any other normal country, I know Scotland's a bit of a backwater at the best of times, but I don't know in any other normal country where pundits are put under, uh, officials rather, are put under this level of excruciating pressure by pundits. And it's, it's going to lead to something quite awful and quite bad happening one day, which I don't want it to come to. But as I say, I don't know in any other country where this is just accepted as, as being the norm, saying that uh, officials are, are cheats and things like, oh, he's hands offside and trying to set that kind of narrative. is nonsense. It's an absolute nonsense. And it's dangerous, to be honest, at the end of the day, because it's getting to that point where something bad is going to happen. We've seen it before, and it's only going to get worse. People are genuinely fizzing about what he didn't get a booking. I'm sorry, that's not an official changing a game. If you want to come and say, oh, he should have given us five penalties and the goal was offside, etc., then yeah, okay, you can maybe blame officials. Not for yesterday. It's not the case. Sometimes you do need to have a wee bit of perspective on yourself and just a wee bit of introspective and, and think about the performance that Celtic put in. They were not at the races yesterday and they were bossed all over the park by Rangers. The better team by an absolute mile. Sometimes that happens in football, but the fact that they're completely unable to either accept or admit that is a bit, a bit of a joke on their part. 
as I say, I don't know in any other country where this is accepted as a norm, and, I, and it has to stop. But I don't think that will, as you know. No, um, Andy. Well, see, well, we're talking about pundits here, but you've got a chairman of Celtic uh, earlier in the season put pressure on referees. That's you know, should I seen him brought in a disrepute when he starts commenting and, and, and say he said something fairly sinister along the lines of I would monitor referees or something like that. I can't remember the exact, but the undertone was clear. So when that goes without, it doesn't even go with scrutiny. I mean, the press don't come in and say, hold on a minute, should should chairman or high positions at certain football clubs be saying things like this? You know, because the, the insinuation was that referees don't give Celtic a fair crack of the whip. So when you get that happening, you know, the, the, is the dullards like Hearts and certain comments, it's no surprise when they do it, but it's obvious and it's clear and it's concerted and it's laughable. That's the thing. And I think New Rangers fans and anybody that's sensible, anybody that's serious about Scottish football, I think they see it and they know it. I mean, Chris Boyd's taking a piss out of it. You know, he's saying, well, maybe I should become a referee because, but that's, that. I don't know if that's the right way. I think Rangers should be coming and calling it out. And actually saying, hold on a minute, this, this is just ridiculous. Because as you say, David, there was, if you dissect any football game, far less an all-firm game, you'll find bits that go for and against. And, and, and we could bore the listeners by going through them all again. Celtic were beat yesterday because you get beat by the better team, the hungrier team. That's it. And, and you know, the, the final word I'll say is, if you've got a conspiracy theory about Bobby Madden or anybody else, please tell me how you fashion four minutes extra time for the mm. second half of extra time. Never I never seen ha- anything like Never, it. never. I've never seen it. I mean, you could go in and watch wee boys playing a Sunday part and you still wouldn't get that because it'd be laughed at. It was unbelievable. So I think that kind of should should put it to bed. But, you know, it, it, Scottish football in terms of refereeing, way back to when we had foreign refs come here because Celtic put them under such pressure because of Dougie McDonald get caught in his microphone saying something. It's never stopped since then. It's just in different forms. No, you're absolutely spot on, and uh, it's deliberate, as Ross said, it's because it works for them and it's because it doesn't get called out. Can you imagine if we, or any other fan media, came out and dog-whistled that you've got a green light to go and attack refs, as Sutton regularly does? They'd be called for us to be shut down, but for some reason he's allowed to do it, and he doesn't do it with his English punditry, it's exclusively done when he's discussing Celtic. And again, you know, I wonder what they could offer to the bankrupt star to make him think. No, that that probably escapes me. I'm not clever enough to figure out what happens. Uh, We need his mum's bank account right enough. Anyway, let's move on to happier things. Let's talk about some of the performance yesterday. Ross, I've got a question for you. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? John Lundstrom is the best on earth and half the reason that my voice is in the state that it is, I. John Lundstrom. Now, we mentioned the word warrior earlier. My God. Uh, I can pay him no higher compliment than there's a touch of soonest about the way he patrols that midfield. And Andy will tell you, for a guy at our age, to say that, you don't say it lightly. See, in January, again, hands up, if John Lundstrom had been loaned back to England and we'd said, right, okay, it didn't work. I don't think I would have been upset, and I don't think many would have been upset. Since Gio came in, there's a real argument he's been the best player, and in the last two matches, he's been nothing short of epic. 
Yeah, the, the turnaround in John Lundstrom's career at Ibrox will be spoken spoken about for decades. He's now going to be held up as the totem of what you need to do to give players time. I've always been a bit of a, a Lundstrom apologist. In, in the earlier days, I stuck up for him quite a bit and said, look, he's obviously a very talented player coming down from the level that he played at in England. You need to give players time to settle into this club. It's a completely new environment. The demands are completely different to Sheffield United. And I think we as fans maybe aren't as accepting as that because we know the standards. We've been brought up in it. We've lived it all our lives. For people who are out with this, this bubble, really, you need to give them time to get used to it. Having said that, when he gets sent off against the last Kerp, you take it right the way back there. I was thinking, well, you don't help yourself, son, do you? And I kind of thought at that point a lot of fans were done with him. Even in, in January there, I think there maybe is a wee bit of revisionism about this, this start of the year. There was a point going into the sort of latter stages of the January transfer window where I believe John Lundstrom had only played something about 51, 52 minutes under Van Bronckhorst. And one of them he was hooked off at half-time for. The rest were just sub-appearances, cameos in the latter stages of the games here and there. And I think it, for myself especially and a lot of fans, it wasn't necessarily anything against him personally, but I was thinking for the wages that we know he's on, we know he's one of the better play players in the squad. If we could free up those wages by moving him on, if the manager really doesn't fancy him, then that would probably be the right thing to do. Thank God that didn't happen because he's been an absolute revelation in this side, especially in the, the kind of period of time where we were missing Stephen Davis when he was out injured and we needed someone to go in and fill that role. We've spoken before, David, about Glenn Kamara trying to fill that role. It's just not that kind of player. No, it doesn't, doesn't work. It's not his role. As it's John Lundstrom's skill set down to an absolute T, and you mentioned the last two games there, immense, a large part of the reason why we're sitting in the European semi-final and the Scottish Cup finals because of John Lundstrom, I think. Did he get man of the match on, on Thursday? I know he got it yesterday as well. He'd been my man of the match in both games. He's just Im- immense performances and a real leader. I think Tav got well. it Thursday. You mentioned, um, we spoke, you speak about Stephen Davis in that role and how you need a general there. John Lundstrom's a general and a warrior and all sorts. You mentioned uh, on, the, on the Daily Update today, I think it's worth bringing up when uh, Calvin Bassey was apo- apologising essentially and trying to try to check in a Celtic player's well-being and he screamed at him to get back in position and leave him <laughs> lying on the ground. You need that. I'm not, I'm not in that kind of real Scottish way of, oh, you need to hate them and all that kind of stuff, although that's an absolute massive benefit it's going to be really endearing. But if you can bag that up with the kind of quality that he shows on the ball and the composure as well, I think, as I say, players coming into this club and playing in those kind of occasions, that was an absolutely ferocious atmosphere yesterday going into that. The first time, I believe, he would have played in that, that 50-50 split at Hamden where you've got them. I know they were quite silent for most of the game, but still it, it must be quite the spectacle for a player to come in and still have that kind of calm and composed presence in the game and go flying into 50-50s, try to win every ball. Even when he went on the bench, I was with the game with my brother yesterday and I pointed it out deep in extra time. He was up on the bench screaming, shouting, trying to drive the team on. He was kicking every ball even when he wasn't on the park. And he, as a teammate to him, that must make such a difference. That must give you such a lift as well, knowing that you've got that kind of warrior on your side, not even when he's on the pitch as well, David, but even when he's off, it's still trying to cheer you on. And you can see what it meant to him at the end as well, going up to the fans and, and, and fist pumping, even at the end of the Braga game, getting a scarf and, and, and singing along. He's someone who's really bought into the club over the time that he's been here. And I'm just so, so delighted for him that he's getting all the plaudits in the world because he absolutely deserves them. Andy, McGregor is their best player, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most important player. We can talk about if he's fit for a hashi. Fair enough, right? You know, decent players. But by far, to me, it's not even close. McGregor is a guy who totally makes him tick. He, he dragged him back into Ibrox. He battled us in that 3-0 game. Yesterday, no, absolutely taken out of the game. And I thought that was because John Lundstrom said, this area here that you and I are standing in belongs to me. 
you're not getting it. And I just thought completely dominated them. And that reduced Celtic's threat to the point where, honest to God, apart from the goal, I don't remember John McLaughlin having any saves to make. Aye. Lundstrom, it three games, if you think back, when we drew at Hearts, uh, drew at Ibrooks with Hearts, and he scored a screamer. Uh, it kind of three, four games running about that period where I thought he was outstanding. I thought that. But then it disappeared again. And I don't think we ever doubted the fact that on the ball... He's pretty exquisite, you know. He's, he's, he's probably the most two-footed player I've seen for many a year at Ibrooks. and um, to the point where you can't tell which is his better foot. I mean, that shot hit the posters. I think that was his bad foot. So he is a, a technically exceptional player, and I think Van Bronckhorst and the Dutch influence is getting the best of him because, you know, if you think back to, to great Dutch teams, and it kind of reminds me. This might sound stupid and fairly random, but Strootman, you know, Kevin Strootman played for Roma, and yeah, 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 he, good he, he kind of had that same kind of lunchpin role, and that since Van Bronckhorst has came in, I've seen that in, in lunchroom where he's kind of it's as if he's been he knows what he's to do in the team now. Whereas before with Gerard, I think it was hard done to be Gerard because if you think back to Tannadice when we get beat, and he had him kind of right a right of a three. He, he, he kind of get exposed to the goal. It was his fault, and to the point where we're like, he can't play with Davis or too similar or this kind of stuff. I think now that he's matured into the 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 confidence that Van Bronckhorst has instilled in him by saying, you know, basically you're one of the main players in our midfield when when everybody's fit, you're going to be there, and I think he knows what it's about playing with Rangers. And Ross has mentioned how he reacted on Thursday, how he reacted yesterday. I know that his, his mum and dad were over in Dortmund to see that performance. So, you know, there, there's a buy-in there that maybe he's realising he's at the biggest club he'll ever play for. Um, but in seeing all that, I was the same as you guys. At Christmas in the transfer window, I was like, you know, the best thing with John Lundstrom is we're going for nothing. And if we realised two million quid from it, it was good business on, on paper. And if he'd went, I don't think I'd have been sitting there saying, oh, we've missed a trick. But that performance yesterday, I mean, you, you, you the soonest thing, <laughs> David, the soonest thing is uh, borderline cyclage, right? But I know why you're saying it, because it was the contempt married with the ability, married with the result. And uh, the fact that, as you say, Callum McGregor is the guy that dictates how they play, the pace they play at, where they pick it up, where they slow it down. And, and he totally nullified them. And it was that bite. It was that thing that we love to see in Rangers teams, never never mind Rangers players, steaming into tackles and a controlled aggression. You know, at the first minute, he, he tackles Hatati, a fantastic slide tackle. You barely see slide tackles nowadays. And, and he started to do that as he became more confident because if you think back to when he first started with Rangers, he wasn't making tackles like that. He was trying to win the ball on ice. He was, he was kind of semi-aggressive, but not as aggressive as he is now. And it was costing us because he was losing out in the middle of the park. Lost a goal at St Mirren in the early doors. The boys scored a screamer because Lundstrom didn't win the ball. There was things like that happening too much. And that's why I had a wee doubt over him. But whatever it is, it's clicked. It's clicked. And I think we can look forward to get, seeing the best of John Lundstrom next season and uh, count on him as a main player. You know, just as um, just as Goldson became a main player for us, just as other players have become main players for us, I think he can become a name doing in that first 11 every time. Ross, another guy that I think deserves a bit of praise for his shift yesterday. There were a couple of mistakes in there, but even so, I think his contribution overall, both in terms of what he did and, of course, the fact that he created the winning goal. Calvin Bassey yesterday, 
as an athlete, he is second to none. But his his game intelligence has improving. Yes, he made a couple of errors. He did, right? No doubt about that. But overall, I think in terms of completely nullifying Rogic and making sure there was no space for him, in terms of that driving athleticism that he brings, and then one of the best celebrations I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the point you made there, and I, I mentioned it earlier on myself about him more or less man marking Tom Rogic out of the game was so so vital to us yesterday. And I'm not sure there's any other player who I'd rather have do it because we mentioned John Lundstrom there. I want him on top of Cal McGregor. He's the one who makes him tick. Like you said, he's the one who dictates their kind of play. If you have him sitting on him and trying to nullify him, that should slow them down enough. But one of their big outfalls, and listen, he's hurt Rangers plenty of times is Tom Rogic. Carter's a couple of weeks ago when we didn't try and man-mark him to the same degree and he found space in the box and got a goal. None of that this time. It's something that was quite noticeable earlier on because he would step out of the back four, go right on and be touched tight with Rogic. Now, the way that that can go wrong, obviously, is you are, you're now effectively a back three and there's this big gap for other players to run, run into. That's where that kind of symbiosis between what Bassey was doing and what John Lundstrom was doing really came into effect. Uh, bring it back to what I said earlier on, I think Gio deserves a lot of credit for that because it worked to an absolute treat. But there's nobody else I'd rather be having doing that job than Bassey because he is such a physical athlete. And Tom Rogic really isn't that kind of guy. He's very, very good at trying to win the ball back off him, using his physicality to go and do that. And yes, he made a couple of mistakes on the ball, which were uh, frustrating, to, to say the least. Um, at the time, there was one in the second half particularly which nearly set me over the edge. But looking back on it now and having watched the game back, Nine times out of ten, he was incredibly calm and composed on the ball. And his athleticism as well, you mentioned it there, it's incredible. There's a brilliant clip on Twitter going about it. really encourage people to try and look it out if they haven't already seen it, where he is running for the for the winner, the winning goal. And James Forrest, who is fresh off the bench and a substitute, can't keep up with him at all. This is a guy who's played two, two lots of extra time in the space of four days. That, that's crazy athleticism. You should not be able to do that. But the engine the boy has on him is just genuinely quite sensational. He's another one who's been an absolute revelation this season because he played his, his bit part last year um, in, in winning 55. And I think we could all see the level of talent that he has there. But he's been asked to perform a multitude of different roles this season, filling in at centre-half. I don't think any of us really thought about that as, as a long-term solution. I would still much prefer him as a left-back, but I think that has definitely helped him improve his, his game management and his knowledge of the game. It's given him a completely new perspective on a way to play, and I think that's helped him develop into the, the first-class left-back that we, that we have today. I'd be quite content with him, and I wasn't sure about this earlier on in the season, but now I would be quite content with him being our starting left-back next season. I think you, you get the most out of him there. As I say, his engine's brilliant, and the one thing that every player needs there is, is the final ball. What is his output? It's all very well and good. And we have players on this side, I, I won't mention it, but we have players on this side who do a lot of running and have a great engine or a great athlete, um, have a great athleticism, but their output in the final ball just isn't really there. Calvin Bassey's not one of those players. You do have a confidence when he gets into those positions that he will deliver an excellent final ball that will create chances and cause panic in an opposition box. And that's exactly how the winning goal came about yesterday. So he's another one who I'm absolutely delighted to get in all the plaudits in the world because he's another one who deserves it, quite frankly. And Andy, look, I sometimes can get annoyed when people say you can't fault them for effort because it should be a given, right? We get that mm-hmm. for a footballer. But I think you can sometimes see when guys are putting in a shift that's over and above, right? And it's noticeable. And although they didn't have their best games, maybe in terms of quality, I did want to give a shout out to Ryan Kent and Kamar Ruth mm-hmm. yesterday, who I thought just constantly put themselves about 
ran themselves insensible, really. And even in the last seconds, there's Ryan Kent up in the corner, hassling Harry and winning the ball for us. Their contributions were massive yesterday. No, I totally agree. And the thing with Kent is, and I've said this umpteen times on this pod, is that anybody that watches Kent every week knows what it brings to a team. And when you read some of the stuff about, you know, his, his numbers and he doesn't do that, and he's, you know, it's absolute garbage because he is integral to the way we play because when he's not got the ball or when he's not having a good game, A, he never hides, and B, tactically and defensively, he is utterly impeccable in terms of work rate and, and fulfilling his duties. And that's a bit that, you know, people don't realise or don't don't see it because they might just be looking for him to be the man that beats two or three men and gets a ball or an assist. There's more to it than that, and that's why he's never out of our team. He's very rarely taken off. And uh, Roof, as well, has come in at Rich Vayner form because for the first time, he's our, our first-choice striker, I think. He's, he's been in the shadow of um, Morelos since he's been at Rangers, and it's kind of ridiculous given his goal-scoring record, but... We know, I think we're all worried about the fact that he can't play Limitrellis, who can? But we've adapted slightly Thursday, Sunday to, to suit uh, Roof. And there was, I think, I know, you know, Barisic in the team was, was partly because I think his delivery is still better than Bassey. But Roof put his sail about and, and his work rate was such that he gave Carter Vickers and Starfield quite a tour of time in, term, in terms of. Um, keeping them occupied, which is what Morelos does. But also you've seen them working back and winning balls and going wide and chasing folk down for the full the full time he was on the park and the extra time. The the, the the professional foul on... Who was it? I can't remember, but he had a professional foul on somebody. And I'm it was like, a thing of beauty. Aye. <laughs> and this is, what the, this is to go back to the thing about they wanted a war. They wanted a war and they their moan about it because all's fair and love and war. They did not know that. So uh, that, if we'd done no, that, a they wanted weeks ago, they wanted a war on us. They didn't expect one back, and they didn't expect that our players were going to come out and you know perform like that and be in their faces and and want everything. I think Roof epitomised that for he me. He did. He did. And, and, I, and I think as well. Ah, well, sorry, sorry Andy. I think as well. I, I don't want to gloss over that professional film because it was a, it was a thing of absolute beauty. But how often have we spoke on heart and hand about the last couple of years? We need a team that will perform the dark arts for us when it's needed. Callum McGregor, I mean, the first goal that Celtic scored at Ibrox, should have been yeah. fouled at the halfway line. Yeah, exactly. They learned a lesson from that completely. Like, we've been screaming for it for years. I'm a big appreciator of the dark arts. I do enjoy watching my Athletic Madrid when I see them on the TV. It is a thing of beauty when it's done well and when it's done to a professional standard. We're not talking about just going, taking bodies left, right and centre for the sake of it. I'm talking about strategic fouling in places where it has to be done. It wasn't just Roof. Well, that tackle was brilliant. Arebo done it as well earlier on in the game, which was absolutely tremendous. Other things, like there was a point where I believe Tav brought a second ball onto the pitch to stop them taking a quick throw-in. <laughs> Small, wee marginal gains. The other one as well, where um, just after Roof had his header cleared off, cleared off the line by Starfield, Arebo went down and stayed down and then just kind of get back up. Now, how genuinely hurt he was, not entirely convinced, but again, it's just good gamesmanship. I think that's another kind of large factor about the reason why they get so frustrated yesterday. You could tell the Celtic players were getting frustrated with it. It's because we wouldn't let them do what we'd done a couple of weeks ago, whereas, aye, you can just run where you want and we're not going to bring you down until, until it's too late. Absolutely none of that. I thought the game management and, and the dark arts yesterday was very, very good and something that I've been crying out for for a long time. 
Andy, one of the best individual displays I've ever seen in my life was Barry Ferguson in the 2002 Scottish Cup final. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because of the way he played, but his attitude that day. I remember very specifically when we went in that last half hour, 2-1 down, he just said, not the day, not happening the day. And I want to shout out to two guys who arrived on the park with that same attitude and intensity yesterday, Stephen Davis and Scott Arfield. Obviously, Scotty Arfield's goal, and by the way, Scotty, you've got your time to miss one and time to finish one spot on this week. Credit to Roy Mackay as well, because apparently the, the manager said on Thursday night, yeah, I'll make him take 100 shots with Roy Mackay tomorrow, so it must have worked, because what a goal. But it was just the spirit that they brought and transmitted to everybody else. And when you're tired, to have Stephen Davis next to you must be so good because he's always available for a pass in a calm spot. He's always there. He's driving you on in that quiet, authoritative way of his because he is a real leader and I thought the two of them were magnificent yesterday. Aye, in many respects, they won as the game. Um, Davis is the same as Lundstrom. His his head's on a swivel. They're they're like owls. (laughs) They look behind them before they get the ball and and they, they buy that space, that that ability to create space for them, which makes all great players. Um, but they came on with the attitude, and you're, you're talking about Barry Ferguson there, and, and you've, we've not really had Rangers players, and you don't really see players anywhere that can take a game by the scruff of the neck, that proverbial scrub of the neck, and, and run it. Because it's hard to do. It's easier said than done. And um, I, thought that, I thought Davis did that because we actually upped our game in the last 20 minutes or whatever, he was on the park because he was very progressive. And what I mean by that is Davis sometimes can be a wee bit too safe and keeps the ball, but he wasn't doing that. He was moving up. All his best play was in their half and uh, he, there was just always an outball and it allowed, you know, Bassey and, uh, and Tavernier to get up the park and, and give them that insurance. And Arfield, you know, he's, he's had a lot of good old firm games because... He gets aggressive, he gets in their face, but it's controlled. And he did that yesterday. I mean, you've seen his reaction to the goal when he scored. Now, it was a, it was an aesthetically beautiful goal, just that spin and curve. And the fact that Joe Hart didn't even get close to it, it was just such a beautiful goal. And I was right behind that goal. But you've seen his reaction after the goal. It's no one, you know, the usual cheery, smiling Arfield with the, the salute. He's fucking pumped and, he, and he's running up the park and he's pointing to the... the the stands still gets a couple of salutes in, but I just thought it set the tone because at that point he's like, "We're going to win this game. We are going on to win this game," and uh, he couldn't. He felt as if you know he couldn't really feel. So two old heads. I think Van Bronckers is going to take credit because you know, in the, I, I was watching that game yesterday. They were making a lot of substitutions, or it appeared it felt like they were making loads of substitutions, and I'm like. What about the legs? You know, we've, we've, the Thursday was playing in my mind's more than, than Van Bronckhorst, it appears, because I was like, what about the legs? They're bringing on your legs. and But he got the substitutions absolutely spot on in terms of timing and, uh, and, and personnel. And you're right, Davis and Arfield, brilliant. It then takes you to the thought process of, well, do you give Davis another year? Because if he's used as sparsely as he was this year, he could date any bother. Arfield... I don't know, I'm not so sure, but, you know, if, if that's his the final memory, we have a, a big memory, Arfield, then Christ, what a way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Oh, they were just, I thought, absolutely, when they came on to that part yesterday, they just did that. No, nah, not today. This is not happening, not when we're here. And I love that in a Rangers team. I just love that spirit because we mentioned we haven't always seen it domestically. Ross, uh, I don't want to to really go into anything that, that that's slightly sour, and this is not meant as a dig at Alan McGregor, but um, John McLaughlin's performance yesterday, that's kind of what I've been moaning about, about him coming into the side. He didn't have a lot to do, which is brilliant, but it's maybe not coincidental because he came for balls and took them and dealt with them. In the last couple of minutes when we've been prone to conceding corners, I think if you look at a lot of the goals we've conceded in the last minute, they are down to McGregor's reticence. Teams put it right on top of them and it causes panic because their defence are already pre-panicked, knowing he's not going to come for them. He came out and dealt with them and I just thought it was absolutely huge. And, you know, we've beaten Celtic twice this season with McCrory and him in goals. We've lost to them, you know, conceding five goals in the other two. Might be just bad luck, might be coincidence, but I don't think John McLaughlin will ever be a shot stopper anywhere near Alan McGregor, but he does command a box. And at times with Rangers, that's the key thing for me. Yeah, it's, it's about what you need at different moments. Now, listen, if you said to me, I'll give you a shot stopping goalkeeper to go make an absolute wonder save that you no right to get near, then yeah, of course you're going to pick Alan McGregor in that scenario. But really, how often is that the case? How often do we need that? In a game like yesterday, and this is obviously a large part of the reason why John McLaughlin was picked for it as well, you need someone who's going to come and command their box. If you think even back to, again, Ibrox a couple of weeks ago, their goals would have been preventable with, with the goalkeeper who comes out and commands his box. And you mentioned the, the two corners in quick succession and the, the added time at the end of the normal time. That takes such such a massive amount of pressure off the defence to know that your goalkeeper is going to come and help you out and then get cams everyone down I think we've seen with the defence at times this season where everyone does kind of panic a wee bit but we can see this at a set play especially if it's later on in the game because we know that Alan McGregor's not coming off his line for it so then you are set defending in your own six yard box and it's just a recipe for disaster you're only going to get bad outcomes in that scenario and that's the bad outcomes that we've seen but if you have a goalkeeper and your defenders are confident okay if this is anywhere within his area he's either going to come and claim or clear away with a punch that, that's such a calming influence over them and I think you've seen that yesterday even as well John McLaughlin with the ball at his feet part of that one in the first half where not, enti- not entirely sure what he was trying to do but he put the ball out for a corner I think his distribution was fantastic yesterday and that's another downside to McGregor I mean if John McLaughlin put that ball out for a corner Al McGregor was a ball out of, out of play three maybe four times a game kind of used to seeing it and a wee bit sick of it at this point so it's not that I'm trying to say anything bad against McGregor I'm just saying what do Rangers need we need a goalkeeper who can come out command his box and be good with the ball at his feet it's a very big part of the way we play and I think it was a very big part yesterday as well he managed to get us going quicker when he was uh, playing the ball out and it was good for playing the ball out with the back I think when uh, Maeda was trying to press up high and force mistakes out of us I think McLaughlin for the most part at least was incredibly calm in that scenario and trying to move the ball on instead of maybe McGregor, who's not as confident with the ball at his feet and maybe would have put it out of play more often. So going forward, so even more of, a, of an interesting discussion because there is an argument, an incredibly valid argument in Europe. We might need a goalkeeper who can make wonder saves from, from time to time. We've seen it from Al McGregor already in this European run. Red Star comes to mind very specifically on that. Both legs of that tie. Or do you go with McLaughlin again, who, when it is defending set pieces or we're trying to move the ball on, he's the man you pick for that kind of scenario? I don't know. That's, that's a goal from the manager. But he's got 
more or less every call in the last couple of days, right so far. So that's that's where he's going to have to go and earn his money. But in terms of your individual performance yesterday, I thought he was absolutely huge. But he can the defence right down. And what we had to do, which wasn't an awful lot, but we had to do, he done absolutely superbly. That will nearly do us, but because I'm a very magnanimous man, folks, as you know, and I'm all about hands across the barricades, and I'm all about greater understanding, can I just send out a, a best wishes and a hope for the future to Maida of Celtic, that I hope one day he catches that crisp poke that he seemed to be running after yesterday, Audi. I've rarely seen... That was like a 10,000-metre runner being put on a football park. You know, brilliant at the running about a bit. You know, what run about a bit, can he, can he fault the guy? The round thing that everybody else was using, nope. Just not at all. It'd be like a javelin thrower without a javelin who just ran up to there. That, that's what he reminded me of. Anyway, folks, that will do us for this week. We've got loads of coverage of the match over on our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. So if you want to hear more, we've got every kind of breakdown, post-match, immediate post-match. We've got reflections from the audience. We've got uh, tactical breakdowns, you name it. Um, plenty of celebration of both that and Thursday night. And of course, we will be back uh, Friday night. Heart and Hand Extra will be here to preview the Motherwell game and then we look ahead to Leipzig. Ross, thank you for joining us, young man. Go and have some honey and lemon on that vocal cord. <laughs> no, it's an absolute pleasure, David. Thank you very much for having me on. And Andy, you've had some shit to wade through on this show this year, my friend. I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. And, I, and I, it's no honey and lemon for me. It's some mere chocolate Easter eggs. That'll do me. Yeah, well earned. Uh, thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. We will be back on Friday. Until then, folks, we are the people. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs> Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.